Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. Todd here, joined by Zach and Greg. And as we were talking before we we jumped on here, I think the more we know, the less we know. Uh, the more games we watch, the less we're sure on what we thought we knew the week before. Welcome, gentlemen. Good afternoon to uh, everybody except for Lions fans right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we knew it was bound to happen, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, Vegas Vegas knows what they're talking about, right, guys? Yeah, I'm not fighting it. I'm not fighting it. Yeah. Yeah, they do seem to know. Uh, well, I want to start with just a couple news and notes, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of just jump in. I think we'll talk about preseason predictions and how we're just still not really sure where things are at. We'll go through. I'll maybe ask some questions. You guys can jump in with whatever questions um, you got, and and we'll kind of go from there. Uh, the yeah. first news is is Coach Eric Peterson with with South Dakota was injured at home. He missed the UC Irvine game. Uh, at this point, unless you guys are aware of something different, no real timetable for his return. It does sound like it was a pretty significant injury, but but nothing uh, that that won't be he won't be okay in a little bit. Yeah, I haven't yeah, heard anything I, different. Uh, Just really hope he's feeling better. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and I'm the same way. I, I did have a chance to visit with Jay Elson a little bit, and, and uh, I think Jay and, and and Coach Peterson have com- communicated a little bit, and we're not trying to let anything out there. But there were, yeah, there were some. There were some injuries, and I, I think uh, all three of us just uh, I, I absolutely want the best for him and want him to get uh, back on the sidelines as soon as possible, um, but in a in a manner where he's uh, healthy and, and, and doing well. So um, everybody's thoughts and prayers are with him, no question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I was just putting up Christmas lights with my youngest child. I, I don't even know what exactly the injury came from, but you always think of that this time of year. Just be careful, man. That, yeah. It's just those things, ladders, all that can be, can be dangerous. So um, another uh, area of that I think is something we just need to at least touch on, but I don't really have that much interest in discussing something I don't know a whole lot about. Mihai, back with South Dakota, Mihai Karkoana, uh, was arrested on rape charges. Uh, so I just think it's important for our listeners to know that that happened. I, I don't really have anything else to say on that right now. Yeah, no, I. no, I, I, I'm the same way. It's um, those are the things that it's it's innocent and presumed innocent until guilty. But at the same time, it's an unfortunate situation. So hopefully uh, the team can adapt. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, and then so on to some more basketball news. Uh, Max Asmus. I believe he's 13 points away for two, from 2000 in his career. Uh, so one thing I just want to note, the, the all-time leading summit slash mid-continent scorer is Mike Dom with 3,067 points. I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. Uh, and, and I'm not sure we'll see a 2,000-point scorer again just with the changing landscape of college basketball. That's a fair assessment. I, I think it's, uh, you know, when you look at the number of, mid-major transfers are going to be. And if you have a guy that's really that good at the power five, are they going to stay long enough to score that many points? Um, so I, I wouldn't disagree. These are things that are um, uh, going to become fewer and farther between. And so credit to Max Aismas. Let's, let's not forget that. This young man had every opportunity to, to probably play at a number of different levels, probably play at the highest level. He chose to stay with his ORU teammates and uh, kind of maximize what he was able to do and 
let's be honest, he got him to a sweet 16. And so he felt he was at a, at a place where um, he could always have the visibility that he needed if he wanted to play at the next level. So credit to Max. We all wish him the best and we all know he's going to, he's going to uh, break through the 2000 barrier and then some. I mean, a thousand points is a really good career. It's yeah. it's a solid like it's not just a good season. It's a good career. You had a very good college career if you scored a thousand points. You know, three thousand is is quite ridiculous for Mike Dom. I think they can go ahead and write that record in pen instead of pencil. So I, I don't think that's going anywhere. Um, and, and two thousand points, even for a guy like Max Hastmus, is pretty incredible. I'd be curious to see where he ends up this year. But um, you know, there's a lot of records being rewritten now with you know kids playing literally five years of college basketball. So. You know, we'll probably see a, a little a little explosion of thousand and, and two thousand point scores uh, this month or this year. But after that, you know, we're the, the COVID year has almost worked its way out of the system. Um, but uh, after that, you know, after that COVID year has worked its way. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it's definitely I mean, good luck trying to keep track of the amount of points scored when kids are at multiple schools and stuff. But, uh, right. you know, who knows? But it, yeah, you're right. hundred percent. This should be a celebration of Max Aismas like. That kid is everything a player in this league should be. Great student, good kid, good player, just just really humble and hardworking, and he deserves all the credit that he gets. I couldn't agree yeah. more. Couldn't agree more. And just and just as a side note, it's funny. I did a game yesterday, uh, the the Montana NDSU game, and uh, Anand Moody is is playing and he's playing well for Montana, and he played in his 100th collegiate game at three different locations. So it's just <laughs> this is the this is the day and age we live in, right? He's he's probably he's probably at least twenty five years old. Yeah. Even, yeah, is he maybe twenty six? Yeah, I, I don't know if he's that old, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think believe it, uh, believe it's his sixth year of, of college. Yeah. Um, competition. Because I think he was about twenty when he was graduating high school at the end. Sure. So I mean, pretty wild, but good good for him for playing it out, man. It's, I you know, okay, kids transfer, but I I respect kids for just playing it out, man you know, and not quitting or doing anything like that. It's, you know, it's nobody would ever guess his career would have went this way, but he's playing it out and he's, he's fighting to the end. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I will note, this is Max's fourth year of college basketball. Um, he has so, another one. He could play another year. Couldn't he? Yeah, he could. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I guess I wouldn't completely rule it out. He, he might. I mean, seriously, like, yeah. like that's what, I mean, you know, we saw several players this year sort of like if you may be on a two-way contract in the NBA, which is probably probably best-case scenario for Max at this point, like you can make that much money in NIL at the majority of these schools. So certainly not trying to insinuate anything, but at least it's uh, – you know, the one benefit of the NIL is that it's it has kept some more kids in school, which I think is ultimately a good thing. Yeah. Well, and, and one of you mentioned – I don't remember which one, but Max is an incredible student – um, yeah. So the idea of getting another year to get your master's or whatever uh, further education would appeal to him maybe more than some others. No doubt about it. Yeah. Just on some some injury news, Grant Nelson returned yesterday for North Dakota State, and then Luke Luke Apple is still out and Tevin Smith still out. We're we're probably a few weeks away for Tevin. It doesn't sound like he's out for the for the season, but. Uh, uh, still a few weeks out and Luke Apple, I, there's not a ton of information on, on what's going on. He came back for that brief period and then he's, uh, he's been out. How'd uh, Grant look yesterday, Greg? Uh, he looked good. He moved well. I mean, I thought, I thought he played well. I mean, he just, 
Uh, there were probably times he forced some things, but I think NDSU struggled overall, and, and credit to Montana. I think Montana – I really like how Montana's team looks. Coach DeCure has a really nice group. But um, I, I think Nelson, he, he looked pretty darn good. Uh, I'd be curious um, if, if he plays today against Waldorf. Um, it, you know, just from the standpoint of you might not need him and you might want to get some other guys some some minutes. But if they do play him, I could see it be I could see it possibly be sparingly. Um, but when you uh, so so I think he's going to be okay heading into conference season. And when you talk about Luke Apple and Tevin Smith, you know those three guys, how much they could help their teams. I mean, I think Tevin Smith is invaluable to Denver. But credit Denver, they they've still played very well uh, or at a decent level without him. But I just think he really comes in and makes not only the team better, but 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 every other individual better in their roles. And Apple is, is intriguing to me because the, the thing that I'm looking at is how many games has he played in and, and how many games, um, you know, because he's obviously dealing with something medical um, and how much is he evaluating? You know what? I, I can use this as a redshirt year, a medical redshirt year. And so I don't lose a year of eligibility. How, you know, is he going to look at it that way? We'll see. I think that's going to be intriguing on the Apple situation. It's great news that Kevin Smith isn't out for the year. I, th- that's definitely an update because we, we were all sort of waiting on that. So, again, we don't want to speculate. We're not going to try to play doctor or anything like that. But it's just great that that is at least the message right now because, you know, he's they need him, quite frankly. They need him at this point. Um, Greg, how did Andrew Morgan look yesterday? Andrew, I mean, obviously, uh, like zero points, but like what's what's going on there? Um, it's, it's a great question because Andrew Morgan uh, was non-existent yesterday, and I think that's probably going to be a challenge. I have a feeling that Dave Richmond's probably going to challenge him. Uh, just just did not seem to get in any type of rhythm or flow in the game. Um, credit. Now, now, Montana has decent size that they could run at him, and, and every time he did get a post-catch, they ran a second body at him. I don't, I'm not going to say that he got frustrated or got thrown out of his game, but, but really didn't put up anything at all for NDSU, and, and I think the three of us all know that if NDSU is going to have some success in the Summer League, Andrew Morgan has to be a pretty critical component um, from that standpoint, along with Nelson. And so uh, whether it was an anomaly yesterday or, or something, you know, he, he, he looked fine physically, no question about that, but it was, uh, was it one of those games or 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 not? So I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to, hey, it's one of those games, and, and, and young players – throughout the league will always have those um, on any given night. Uh, I think the young man is still going to be a factor for NDSU and going to be an important ingredient to whatever success they're able to experience. Yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting. And I think we'll move on to, uh, and, and just a little bit more on Tevin Smith. I don't know that he's not, it just doesn't sound like it was as serious as it looked when it, when it first happened, we talked medical redshirt possibilities with Luke Apple. I, I think that's something you weigh with, a, with a player like Tevin Smith too, depending on how much time he might miss or not miss. Um, so we, you know, we don't know for sure that he'll be back, but, but it sounds like serious injury was avoided. Yeah. Um, good to know. And, and yeah, I mean the whole Luke Apple situation, that's, that, that's so fascinating because it's just like, What's good for him may not ultimately be great for the team, you know, right. and I guess it, it yeah. just depends on, it depends on what's important to him. You know, I mean, South Dakota state has a chance to have another good year. I mean, realistically, I mean, things are, things are fairly up for grabs, but um, does he want to see his career sort of end with him coming off the bench? And does that even matter? And of course, how many times have we seen it where a player makes a decision based on what they appear to 
what the playing time appearance may be today, uh, they make a decision and then tomorrow it totally changes. So, you know, who knows, but, um, you know, it's, it's his, it's his call, I guess. And, and this, this is assuming that there is a decision. I know they can be pretty liberal with those medical red shirts. I got one and I literally didn't even mess a practice. So <laughs> they can, they, they can be, um, they, they kind of hand those out like Christmas, like uh, candy at Halloween. So, um, but it's, it's a possibility. Yeah. You're, and you're right. The decision has to happen now because he's basically at the limit for number of games played. Yeah, and let's remember, it's the NCAA that hands those out because when it comes to consistency on, on just decisions, the NCAA is the least consistent on, on any of those types of decisions. So Right. Yep. Yeah. And it could easily come down to, is, is he legitimately medically going to miss another month? Is he going to miss another two months? You know, I, I could certainly see a player not wanting to come back for five games at the end of the year and use up all their eligibility. It just, there's so much we don't know, but mm-hmm. something's going on. He came back for a few games and then he's been sitting for several. So it's, it's, I don't, you know, it's not even just as simple as that ankle that was bothering him and he was in a boot for. So, and, and as always, if somebody has more information on the situation, please let us know so we don't have to be wrong potentially. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, I wanted to, we're closing in and I was debating between this week and next week, kind of doing our conference preview. The more I thought about it, the next week actually is, there's not a whole lot to be gained. It's mostly, um, non D one games. There's not a ton of, ORU does have Liberty and Missouri state, and that'll be an interesting two game stretch for them. But there's a lot of teams with maybe even two non D one games still to go before, conference play so we're mostly heading into conference play for the league so i wanted to revisit and i'll um i didn't want to go through greg's preseason predictions and get them back out onto the to the to the surface again so <laughs> well, but, but wait a second Todd. i thought i thought uh, zach had a great segue into hey we don't want to be uh wrong um this is a great segue into my <laughs> preseason picks <laughs> so go for well, it I'm not sure. And here's the crazy. I mean, each team has played what ten games, or not maybe not quite that much. Um, but I don't know that we know that a whole lot more. And so I wanted to go through our my. I'll just go through mine, that so we don't have to to use anybody else's. And I'll just read them off quick, and then I just want to get your guys' thoughts. I I know it's hard to follow reading off ten. Um, so I won't read off all the records I put in, but I will say that I didn't have anybody winning more, losing more than 14 games. So four and 14 at the lowest and winning more than 13 in the league in an 18 game, uh, uh, series. I had Oral Roberts first, South Dakota state second, South Dakota third, North Dakota state fourth, Denver fifth, Western Illinois sixth, St. Thomas seventh, North Dakota eighth, Omaha ninth. And Kansas City 10th. And and I'll start briefly and then let you guys chime in. I think one of the craziest things, given we've seen plenty of play now, there's not a ton where I'd go, I can't believe I had this team at that spot. Or the, the even North Dakota State, whose record is awful, could they finish fourth? I think so. Well, I, I, I'm going to agree with you. And, and the reason I say that, and, and, the three of us talked offline a little bit and we, we communicate and uh, during the, during the season and during the week. And I, I can see it being a very compacted schedule and, uh, or, or record wise standings wise. And, and one of the things that I, I guess I mentioned to the two of you before we went on, on the air was it, this is, there are a ton of incomplete teams in the league yeah. this year. And, and I mean, you know, where there's some glaring holes 
you know, whether it be on the perimeter, whether it be inside, whether it be with experience, whether it be with the ability to shoot from the perimeter, um, uh, some things as simple as poor free throw percentage, which is uncharacteristic of some of the teams that are experiencing that right now. I just think there's a ton of uh, a ton of unknowns. And I think it comes down to we're going to see some teams where we go. I can't believe that that team bat- beat that team. And then the team that unexpectedly lost is going to turn around and beat somebody where we go, I can't believe they were able to beat that team. But nice. it's all about matchups at times. And, and and where does where do certain teams have advantages? Where do coaching staffs find a way to take advantage of some of the of some of the the mismatches that they might have? I think there's a ton of incomplete teams right now. And I, I guess from a consistency standpoint, and and Zach will probably attest to this or allude to this too. When you look at the strength of schedule of the different teams, some of the teams go, well, they've got a good record, but look at their strength of schedule. And Todd, you put out a tweet earlier showing the strength of schedule of, of I think that the there's five teams in the summit in the top hundred in strength of schedule um, that 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 is that kind of explains what their record may look like right now. I guess personally, I still think ORU is probably the most complete team. When you look at their perimeters, their experience, their bigs, their ability to shoot it, things along those lines, the question that we always have is can they defend consistently, and that's going to be a challenge for them. Um, I still think SDSU, um, they had a huge comeback win yesterday against Eastern Washington. They come back from down 23. I still believe that their, their experience and their depth, even without Apple right now, when you look at the – the, the freshman, uh, William Kyle III, uh, kind of the way he stepped in, I still think they're a, they're probably as complete as ORU. They're just not nearly as dynamic. Outside of that, Denver maybe has demonstrated that they've played the most consistently, even without Smith, kind of as far as their style of play and 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 how they their coaching staff wants them to play. But after that, I think it's really a toss-up, and even even me risking talking about those three as the most consistent teams at this point could be a complete fallacy. Um, I, I, it's just my observation based on what I've seen, and and I guess the dark horse that I see in there is St. Thomas. For some reason, they 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 seem as as scary as anybody the way they're playing. I just think they're well coached, they shoot it really well, and they know how to play the game. Yeah, I I think. You know, we've been calling for consistency out of a number of these teams for a couple weeks now. And I'm kind of coming to the realization that we're just never going to get it. And that's just the way it is. And it's this is going to be something that they deal with all year long. And I think it's just because that's just sort of the nature of how some of these rosters are put together. Like, I don't think that somebody is going to become a player that they're not right now midway through the year. You know, maybe they get a little bit more confidence, things like that. But, you know, it... it um, it's it's hard to put together a team through the portal. It's hard to put together a team with the transfers. You just never really know what they're made of until they get there, you know. Um, and and I think some some of these coaches are finding out some things about their players that um, you know some pleasant surprises and some not so pleasant surprises. And that's just that's just the nature of the of the of the deal here. And you're right, uh, Greg. You're talking about very matchup specific. I, I think. You know, because some of these teams, the majority of these teams really are kind of incomplete and have some strengths, but some definite weaknesses. And you're going to get some times where, you know, a lesser team has a strength that lines up against a weakness of probably a team with a better record. And they, they go out and beat them. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. You know, so many times we try to do this whole transitive property thing, you know, like opponent thing. You know, mm-hmm. it, we're, we're just grasping at straws to try to make sense of what we're seeing in this non-conference schedule because 
there's obviously no there's no continuity that it, nothing makes any sense. You just got to kind of sit back and watch it and, you know, see if teams are starting to establish an identity. I, I still think there's some teams out there that are really trying to do that. And, um, you know, it, it like, let's be honest, it, it was a bad day for the conference last week or yesterday. It really yeah. was. I mean, yeah. you know, North Dakota had a good Seattle team down for the majority of the game. Couldn't quite finish it out. South Dakota State was a big comeback against Eastern Washington. That was really kind of a, and, and Eastern Washington isn't really a great team, but that's all, all, all. Uh, we'll call that a good win, especially considering everything that was going on yesterday. Obviously, Montana took care of NDSU. Uh, Denver lost to UCLA. Uh, UC Irvine um, beat South Dakota. Western Illinois beat uh, Eastern Illinois, but Eastern Illinois is literally one of the worst teams in college basketball. Um, <laughs> And then it, it, Omaha got handled by Montana State by by about 28, it looks like. In uh, Kansas City, losing to Green Bay, who is, again, one of the worst teams in college basketball. Uh, and, you know, St. Thomas beating Idaho State. Uh, and, and Oral Roberts taking care of Central Arkansas. So, um, you know, really kind of – I had kind of a lot – I, I had high hopes for yesterday. I really did. There's a lot of games, you know, where the Summit League was playing a team that's just kind of slightly ahead of them in, in the net ranking. And, you know uh, – almost nobody came through. So, um, but it, it, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to make for an interesting conference season, but I don't know that whether the conference is up or down. I I mean, I think we can all agree. It's probably down from last year. That probably doesn't matter. You know, if they're all just playing each other here at this point. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, I'm just glad we don't have to deal with this non-conference schedule. I, I, I wonder, Greg, let me ask you this as a former coach, like, how much do you think these just suicide schedules that these teams are playing plays into their inconsistencies? Well, I think it plays in there a lot. And, and I will tell you this during yesterday's game, I think um, with about, I don't know, four minutes to go in the first half, I turned to my broadcast partner, Dom Izzo. And I said, you know what? There's no comparison between the team that I watched get handled by Pacific at home and the team that was really battling Montana. And actually at the point, was probably up by eight or nine points and, and playing yeah. very, very well. And then all of a sudden, Montana turns it up. NDSU kind of goes away from what was going well for them. We just see a ton of inconsistency. And and um, I'm just going to – I'm going to wreck your thing, Todd. One of the things that you wanted to talk about is if we could give a Christmas present to any of the teams, um, there's about eight of the teams in the league. My Christmas present would be an identity. And then you, you <laughs> talked about this, Zach. Uh, just a little bit ago, I, I, I see a lot of teams struggling for their identity. The two that probably are struggling the least would be ORU and SDSU because they have a ton of players back from teams that have, that know how to win. Denver, I think, is probably as close to anybody else is, uh, from an identity standpoint, just in the manner in which they want to play. But I think there's a ton of teams right now struggling to find themselves, struggling to find what they can hang their hat on. Um, I think every coach in the league wants to be a better defensive team than what they are, and a lot of that is dependent on how soon can they, can they get their new players up to speed with their defensive system, whether it's a freshman or a transfer. And so I think, and and to be honest with you, we've talked about this many times, this is probably what we're going to see moving forward because of the number of new players that teams are going to end up having. I know we have teams that want to do it with freshmen, for the most part, and just build those programs. I just think those days are in the past right now. And I think this is what pre-conference is going to be all about is who are you heading into conference? Yeah. I'd say St. Thomas is probably another one of those teams that has a pretty good handle on their identity. But at the same time, it's like 
you know, St. Thomas and Denver have a good handle on their identity and due to some of the personnel issues, things like that, is the identity good enough? You know, exactly. I'm not going to necessarily change it, but like, you know, I, I'm just kind of curious to see how all that plays out. But, you know, it, I'm really hoping that the rhythm to the conference schedule is what the doctor ordered for a number of these teams. They get a little bit more practice time. They get a little bit more routine. And hopefully that can sort of breed some more confidence and consistency. Because um, right now, I don't even know that they're really able to have much of a, a practice session, you know, uh, to really build on anything in particular. I think they're just trying to, everybody's trying to keep their head above water. At least I'm, I'm, I'm going to give them a pass and chalk it up to that because these schedules are, are crazy. Uh, but if we're sort of seeing this, you know, like a couple weeks into the conference season, then it's just kind of like, man, this is really just going to be close your eyes and, you know, throw a dart at the dartboard, basically trying to figure out what the heck's going on with some of these teams. And, you know, that's just the nature of college, ba- college basketball. I mean, and, and you know this too, Greg, but like when you're recruiting a high school kid, you're recruiting that kid for probably over a year and you know their family and you get to know them and you see them go through some ups and downs. You're recruiting a kid out of the portal. You're probably having a couple phone calls with them and maybe yeah. a quick visit. So you really don't know what you're getting. And, you know, we're seeing it obviously backfire in some of the situations around the conference and, you know, in Vermilion, things like that. But it, you also, I mean, even if they're like a good, like cultural fit, you know, it's hard to get a, like a true good feel about what type of player they are and if they're going to mesh well with the rest of your team. And so it just, it's never been more difficult to be a mid-major coach. That's how I would sum up this whole conversation is they have, they're basically trying to pull off the impossible. And these guys they, are as well-equipped as anybody, and yeah. it's extremely hard. Well, they are. And just to your point, Todd, I don't mean – but one thing that you said that I don't want to go unnoticed, getting into the conference season, getting into a rhythm with practice, knowing that you're going to be on the floor certain days, knowing that you can have film, and knowing that there's a certain day off, and it's a consistent rhythm, will, will be invaluable. Over the last 30 days, there was a 30-day time frame North Dakota State was on the road for 17 of those 30 days. Wow. And and that's the life of a mid-major right now, especially when you're going out and playing some of these killer schedules. And that is not ideal for improving your team. So um, that's something that I think every team will benefit from when they get into conference season. Well, and the last thing I'll say just on on predictions, because, I, again, I, I think it's it's maybe even harder to predict right now than it was at the beginning of the year because there's – I like your point on the identity of the four teams you brought up. You got Denver, St. Thomas, South Dakota State, and Oral Roberts. The the reason I would certainly put Oral Roberts and South Dakota State above those other two, where I where I would put all higher, maybe or at least the other two, St. Thomas and Denver higher than maybe we thought at the beginning of the year, is I'm I'm not sure what the ceiling is for Denver and St. Thomas. Like I think while they know their identity, especially without Coburn Porter and uh, Tevin Smith for at least some time. And then I do not know why Tyree Corbett only only played nine minutes. I was trying to watch that game some during a basketball tournament and just missed that part. But he only played nine minutes yesterday. Uh, if they, you know, Denver's just really thin. And, and St. Thomas, understandably, like they've still got guys that are not Division I athletes playing major roles. And so, like, it's they're, they're going to have – the ceiling is just there for those two. Whereas South Dakota State, if we're talking two teams that I think could actually be scary at the end of the year for other teams, that's Oral Roberts and South Dakota State when you get to tournament time and things like that. Especially when Zeke Mayo can go out and get 30 points. Right. That's something we haven't seen before, and that, that was a big development for me. 
Yeah. I mean, you watch that game and he just, he took over. Yeah. We, we, like we, we needed to see at least one of those games and we knew we would. Uh, but I think that's a big deal. Yeah, I do too. I, and it's, it's a little bit, even though I know North Dakota state lost yesterday, I saw that first half from Grant Nelson. And if that person along with that young, young uh, backcourt is there, that backcourt will develop. Yep. So if the backcourt develops and Grant Nelson is that guy in the first half, that that's a whole different team as well. Well, it really is, and 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 they hung in there with without really much of a contribution from Grant Morgan at all. And I, I, I still think that they will. I mean, they're definitely not the same team they were a month ago, and and right. they've taken the steps in the right direction. And they didn't lose to a slouch competition. This is a Montana team that that just put it on South Dakota State about a week ago. And so, but it was, it was still, I know, frustrating for Dave Richmond. They'll be in the conversation. I really believe that. And I think they've got some talent on the perimeter and, and uh, we'll see if they can put it together. Yeah. The, so let me go into some, I think that wraps up our conversation about the uh, predictions and that. So let me go into a few more topics. We talked Zeke Mayo already. Um, so I wanted to bring up a player that I think could help a team that we were hopeful at the beginning of the year and then have been a little more down on recently. Paul Bruns scored 20 points yesterday, played, I think, 30 minutes. I I keep going back to, and I know I have the same point over and over again about South Dakota, but when you're you're playing one, one player that's a, a true forward on your team, like somebody needs to rebound. Somebody needs to defend some at least bigger guards and maybe even some forwards. I could see Paul Bruns role continuing to expand, which hasn't been small necessarily, but he just feels like one of those players that is going to have his role expand. What do you guys think? I'd I'd love to talk to, um, I'd I'd love to get a little better handle on what they're trying to accomplish um, on offense, just in terms of how do we get the most out of, you know, the three guards that are starting, like, like what type of action are they running just so I can, have a better understanding of what I should be looking for to, to understand if they're doing it or not. Cause it, and the reason why I'm saying that, cause it doesn't look like I, I don't, it doesn't look like the sum is greater than the parts yet, you know? And these are guys that have played a lot of basketball and I'm curious as to why that is, or am I not just seeing the situation clearly? Um, I'd love to kind of dig into that because I really had high expectations for them. And, you know, it's, there's another one of those teams that, man, if you took away that BYU victory, there's just really not much on their schedule to show for it. And obviously that BYU victory is, it was highly unique and was a huge win. Uh, I think they actually just went on to be Creighton, but um, you just, you just wanted to see more. I, I really did expect to see more out of them that they'd be a little further along. I, you know, I just, I really could envision, you know, like all three starters averaging 15 in the backcourt. I think that's very possible, and I think that's extremely hard to guard. I think they're totally capable of that. You know, how, how Bruns factors into that, you know, I mean, who knows. But um, it, I, I, I fully expected to see more out of them, and I haven't yet. All right. Um. Well, let's go. I know Greg had had kind of previewed this a little bit, but one of the things I wanted to ask as well was what would you give Summit League teams for Christmas? And Greg brought up that about eight of the teams, an identity, or maybe six. 
Uh, anything else you'd give Summit League teams for Christmas? I'll start. Um, and this isn't possible, but who knows in today's college basketball? Maybe midseason transfers will happen soon. Uh, for South Dakota State, I would give them uh, Trent Masner. That Wouldn't would that be, be something. a heck of a team. Or a type like of player that, like that could do that, that kind of thing. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that would be – I think that would make them instant favorites in the conference. I mean, you know, even even – Knowing how much talent Oral Roberts has, that would, I think that'd make them instant favorites. Would that be something? I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe the next iteration of the transfer portal is actual like legitimate trades. I mean, everybody's tampering <laughs> anyway. Why not? Why not just do trades? Yeah, they'll be trading soon enough. And yeah. and I bet we lost Greg. He had to, has to go call a game. Um, Can you hear I just me? Realized Can you hear me? It was already three forty-five. Yeah, we got you, Greg. Oh, okay. I, I am driving. Is it is it too loud? Because I can hang up if it is. Nope, we got you. Who'd, what would you give, okay. uh, you know, as you're headed into the game, what would you give NDSU for Christmas? Uh, three years of experience on the perimeter <laughs> yeah. or, or, or two years. I don't know. I just think they're right now. They're just so up and down on the perimeter. And, and uh, I think Schoenberg's doing all he can do, but th- those freshmen just, there are times that they look fantastic and, and uh, Wheeler Thomas couldn't stay on the court yesterday. He fouled out after about six minutes of action there's just so much they have to learn, and yet at the time, at certain times you see flashes of going man alive. If they can do this consistently, they can definitely compete. And by the way, Todd, I don't think Western Illinois is really happy with you right now. If you're going to be dealing Trent and Master away from their squad, what, what we, yeah, we got we got to send something back here. We got to think about this a little <laughs> exactly. bit more. We got to we got to send something back. I don't know what recruits they have coming in, maybe or something. I, we'll see. Yeah, I think the, as you were talking, Greg, I thought of Kansas City, and I think I would give NIL deals to about four of those youngsters, to, but but somehow sign some sort of contract where it lasted for three years or something. I'd be so curious if, if some of those talented youngsters stay around for a few years with Kansas City. Yeah, they're they're a lot like a lot of you know whether it's the NDSU players or the the UND youngsters or it's just like yeah you can see it but man having to depend on them is not fun it is it's not it's not right. fun and you know anything that you can do to sort of keep the defense honest around Shamari Allen and Rickwandis Mitchell would be much appreciated at this point because they're not getting much of it right now yeah yeah and it's just I mean and a first year head coach you, you you're not expecting them to. To, although some national pub- publications had them really high, but uh, you know it, it's okay to finish lower. It's what are we going to build, and I, you just hope it does build, and you hope that mm-hmm. there's. I mean, we've seen that with Denver and how it can start to build, and I, of course, want that to happen with every Summit League team. So. Yeah, biggest advantage you a know, team can have is getting their players back for that following year. Yeah, and I'll just jump in. I I would love to see Paul Sather be able to keep all his guys. Yeah. And. and and build on some things this year. I mean, they played really well, Zach, for a good portion of that game. And let's be honest, if they can shoot even 70% from the free throw line, they walk out of there with a W. It's such a, that game was so odd because like, I, you know, well, obviously there was a ton of fouls, so there wasn't much flow. They get off to a huge lead and Pacific's a good team. Pacific's was a 71st net rated team. Seattle, and, you mean. Or Seattle, yeah. sorry. Yeah, Seattle. Um, 71st net rated team. And so it's just like on one hand, it's just like, wow, look at what they're capable of. But on the other hand, it's just like, 
you're kind of starting to see a theme of just not being able to execute on the offensive end, particularly in the second half. I mean, it's like if, if I would tell if I would have told you they were 15 for 27 from the free throw line and had 19 turnovers. Um, what do you think the score would be? I'm, I'm sorry, 18 turnovers. So 15 for 27 from the free throw line. Yeah, in 18 turnovers, I would have thought that would be like a minimum 25 point loss. Yeah, minimum. Point loss. Yeah, I'm right there. With you. I'm right there with you. And I think that's the thing is is you know how can some of these teams with these younger players they're trying to build around how can they put them in position to make winning plays because that's really what it comes down to is you know you can factor all the statistics into it that you want at the end of the day it comes down to two or three key possessions yeah. how do you find a way to come out on the right end of those two or three possessions yeah all like all of UND's players they have they have definitely have strengths they have strengths but then they also have some significant weaknesses and so it's just like man how how mentally disciplined can you be to stick to the things that we know we do well and the things that highlight those things and away from the things that don't? It, I mean, it really is going to take a lot of focus because they can't just do everything well. And so, I mean, it really matters what they run on offense. And, you know, you, you saw that kind of work down the stretch. And, you know, like it, it's very transparent. It's very easy to see what's a good possession and what's a bad possession for UND right now. And I think that's that, that's the case for a lot of teams out there. But it's like it, it, there's a very strict guidelines for good, and and you know if they if they don't adhere to that, then it's a bad possession. And so, but you know, like you said, it's it's progress. It's not necessarily translating to wins. A lot like NDSU, like they don't look like the team that that couldn't stay in front of anybody at, at, at on Pacific's team. Like they've been decent on defense lately, and that's a big development. But you know, it just it it. Um, it, so the, the Sun Conference schedule is not a complete loss for them. Um, they've made progress. They're still trying to work out the the rotation. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to be a team that just probably plays ten guys all year. Yeah. And I, you know, what, one of the things that you addressed earlier, Zach, and, and I know people get tired of listening to analysts like me or or you saying, you know what, if they would just get the ball side to side, try to find a way to break the defense down. It's incredible. How, how often that doesn't happen when yeah. teams need to find a way to have quality possessions. And it is so much, I will go back to this, I, I think that St. Thomas, when you watch them play, they're so good at understanding that. Yeah. To your point, Todd, what is their ceiling from a talent standpoint? I don't know. Are they playing enough Division One players? I'm not sure. But I, I think when it comes to understanding what they want to accomplish offensively, I don't know if there's a better team in the league than St. Thomas because I right. think they really get how to break down defense. Yeah, and w- what St. Thomas does, it's not all that complicated. They're just very disciplined to do it every single time because it's the right thing to do. It's it's ball reversals, it's movement, and just a little bit of it, like not even a ton of it, gets a defense to break down. You're 100% right, Greg. When When you get one ball reversal and the defense has to move and the type of athletes that you have, you're going to get something good. And you would think it would, it's such an easy concept that you think everybody would do it every single time. But, you know, as the game's going, things are going crazy. Focus is sort of lacking. Maybe it's fatigue, whatever. And you kind of forget about it. And, you know, um, I, I don't know exactly what that is because it's it's I, I think pretty obvious. And um, but, you know, I if it's obvious to us, it's obvious to them, too. And no question, that's going to be the focus going forward for a number of these teams, really. Yeah. And sometimes I think the biggest 
hurdle to overcome is what I've always referred to as unintentional selfishness. And when I say this, I mean so many kids will come down the floor and think, I need to make a play instead of we need to make a play. And it, as much as people might think that sounds like oversimplification, it happens. And they're not saying I need to make a play because I'm a selfish player. They're saying I need to make a play because I think my team needs me to make a play instead of letting the opportunity find them. Too many kids right now are seeking their own opportunities. And if they can grow past that, we'll see some definite improvement offensively by a lot of teams, by a lot of these young teams. And, and kind of to build on that, I think and this is one of my favorite things to see is or try to differentiate between is, you know, I hit a shot, so I need to take another shot rather than focusing on what got that shot and sticking yeah. to what got that shot. Not the fact that who made the shot, but the fact that what did they do to get that shot? That's just the key differentiation. You know, as you talk St. Thomas, one gift I would give to the Summit League is some sort of uh, 15-year contract that St. Thomas stays in the league um, without a buyout or anything like that. Uh, it's there. I give them a couple more years, and they're going to be, you know, especially if they can keep playing this way. Watch out for St. Well, Thomas. I'm sure, if we, I, get, I'm sure if we get the TV contract worked out, and it, there's going to be a huge media deal that follows, and then there's going to be teams just dying to get in the Summit League. Right. So there'll be teams leaving the Big East for the Summit League. You know, next thing you know, that's that's the type of confidence I have in our commissioner right now. True. Although when the two of you become big time analysts after that happens, I, I'm, I, I have a feeling you're going to leave me behind at this podcast. But we'll well, see I'll have more time on my hand. The first thing they're going to do is fire me. So that, that's, a, that's a pretty easy decision. But. There's, there's two people on their list to fire and, and, we'll, and what we'll be left with is still plugging away on this podcast. <laughs> there we go. Talking about the good old days. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't want that to be the reason you guys are still here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the uh, one other gift that I would give to South Dakota State, and we already talked about it a little bit, is uh, the Zeke mail we saw yesterday. Yep. That was, and not even just all of yesterday. What was it, the last 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. That and, and he did start out the game. I think he started out with a, 10 points right away at the beginning of the game. But that it's it's like you could almost see a different look in his eye at the end of that game. That's the dynamic player we're part, always looking for. Yep. Yeah, and then that's part of maturing. I mean, he was. Let's be honest. He was a freshman last year, and everybody's yeah. saying, "Hey, you're going to be the guy this year." And he's probably going in, going, "I got to be a different Zeke Mayo or a much better Zeke Mayo than I was last year." And it goes back to let the opportunities find you. He's the type of player his teammates are looking for him. He's got upperclassmen like Arians and Dentlinger that want him to get touches. When he lets the opportunities find him, he's going to be that type of guy. You're 100% right. The feel for the situation is just as important and just as impressive as his ability to execute. Like, we know there's a lot of talented guys in the league, but so many times you see kids with just not a great feel for what to do and and how to attack a defense and when to attack and is it my turn and how do we do it and all that stuff. But that was just the perfect confluence of everything. Skill, feel, IQ, just, you know, and having teammates all on the same page. Well, and when you say that too, Zach, like that, that's the thing that I think that I love the most about Trenton Massner. It's not mm-hmm. even just the numbers. The entire yeah. team is just better. Yep. 
Yep. Like just Josiah West all of a sudden can't be stopped and he's blocking everything. And Vuk Stefanic is is making post moves that that would make Zach Dosh blush. And it's just <laughs> I I don't get I couldn't even explain to you on on a analytical way why that team looks so different. Other than there's that's got to be it. He just knows what to do in the situation to put people in the right spots. I don't know how else to put it. And it's so stark. Like, the, the contract is so stark because we didn't see that last year. And, uh, you know, right. we could probably draw our own conclusions on that one. But uh, it, you're 100% right. And they're they're playing like five guys right now. So they're yeah. burning the boats. They're all in. And they're uh, going to dance with the one that brung them, I guess. Yeah. But I, I, I do think guys like Masner and, and you go back to Shireman last year, there are certain guys that have the it factor. Yeah. You guys watch Sam Griesel play with – with with Nebraska right now, as they take Purdue into overtime, you watch and, and, and playing so good. Yeah, Griesel had a poor shooting day, but Griesel and Shireman, these are Summit League guys. Great, granted, some of the best to play in the Summit League, but it's that it factor. And and when those types of players are are in are, are playing the way they do, they elevate the level of everybody around them. And Master. We saw that. I thought early in the season Masner had that capability. I watched a game where Masner went for 46. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. This is up in Fargo. And the, the kid is amazing. And as much as he can score it, he makes he makes the, the play of his teammates that much better. And so those types of players are, are uniquely special. And those are the types of players that show up on championship teams. And, and Aismas is could be one of those guys as well. Well, and Greg, you can't even completely I, – I love the Sam Griesel comparison because you can't even necessarily statistically quantify the it factor. I mean, his numbers last year were good, 14 points per game, six and a half rebounds, three over, over three assists. But it's not – when he hits the portal and then announces he's going to Nebraska, Nebraska fans are going, oh, good, we got a guy from North Dakota State that scored 14 a game last year. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I I couldn't agree more. And and here's the other thing is, to 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 your point, he's one of those guys that doesn't make plays that get you beat. And right. there's a value in that. There is a value in the people that understand what they do well, understand how they make their teammates better, and they're not out there making plays that get you beat in critical situations when the majority of games come down to two or three key possessions. I mean, Shireman and, and Griesel were those guys that you go, I know the ball's going to be in their hands. And it was so seldom that they made the wrong play that people just people just took it for granted that they were always going to make the right play. And that is, that's difficult to do. I just think there's as much value in not making the wrong play as there is in consistently making the, making the winning play. Right. All right. We're at about 50 minutes, 45 minutes. The, the only last talker I really had left, um, and I and I brought up Vuk Stavanich, just Zach, watch. Um, when you get a chance to watch him play, I, he's maybe 6'6", probably listed at 6'8". I can't find a highlight where he touched the rim. Um, but his ability, you'll just love the post moves. Just watch. Oh, yeah. That's my guy. That's yes, my it guy. is your guy. Guy after my own heart, yep. If if there's a Vuk poster, I know who will have one. Um, yes, me. And and so yeah, he's 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 entertaining to watch in the post. Yep. Um, 
one one other thing other than we could maybe do but i think we kind of hit on it i just think this is the most wide open i think we're in for the most fun conference season we're about to uh we've we've had in a while what do you guys think yeah i mean i'm curious as to like i i've been trying to think of the words and we were texting earlier i'm trying, i don't know exactly how to describe it is it is it going to be fun is it going to be frustrating is it going to be intriguing is it going to be i don't know it's some type of combination of all those you know i know it's going to go down to the wire i i uh one thing about your standings that i like i it could be a situation where the last team in the conference has at least four or five wins right which means probably the top team may have you know five losses or so you know and like so that's something that really hasn't happened in a while and um it's it's going to make every game interesting it's going to be one of those fun years where you just get to sit and watch you know you're not trying to like figure things out you just get to watch it play out you get to watch kids grow up you get to watch kids make decisions and battle it out and figure out who wants to who who's you know it, all these things that we've identified i think there's a lot of things within teams control it just comes down to how important it is to these kids to get the to get to get, to get the job done and we get to find that out we get to watch it play out in real time i i think it's going to be absolutely entertaining for those of us that don't have a dog in the fight for those of us that don't care. Who oh yeah. It's going to be entertaining <laughs> yeah. for the coaches, for the coaches and the fans. You're going to see a lot of gray hair. You're going to see a lot of gnashing of teeth on message boards. You're going to see how could we possibly lose that game? And, and then a week later going, I can't believe we won that game. Yeah. That's kind of what I look at. I, I think it's really going to come down to the perspective of, of who's evaluating the conference season. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I really like the way you put that there. Yeah, it, it is great for us. And that's kind of the thing, you know, like we'll call a game and we just kind of walk away and it's just sort of it is what it is. But, yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine trying to navigate this or live and dying with these games because there's going to be there's there's going to be a lot of uh, ulcers. But, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I, you know, in a roundabout way, you can see that is sort of fun. Right. I mean, there's it's it's the grind. It's you know, uh, it's it's at least it's not straightforward like it was last year. It, it right. may be one of the craziest tournaments. I mean, we're a ways away from that, but we could have one heck of a first time of a four-day tournament, and it might be the craziest one we've had in years. Good. Good more. Yeah. Yep. And and to your point, Greg, I I love that point. I have not been on the North North Dakota State message boards uh, this year, but I would not be surprised at all that there's been some discussion about Dave Richmond not being the guy, <laughs> despite <laughs> all what has happened before before you know the start this season so that the the gray hairs are out there for the fans already yeah they are and that's the difference i'm going into my i'm in my 11th year of doing this doing this analysis thing i'm undefeated and i've left happy every night and i haven't watched a, a minute of film when i got home and so my perspective is much different than all everybody else who's invested in 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 all these different teams right all right. Well, I, you know, I think that's a good, uh, we'll have to think about what to do next week. Maybe it's time for another interview. Maybe I got to get uh, some, some calls out there. Cause I, I don't think we'll have as much to talk about basketball wise next week. Like I said, it's a lot of non D one, just kind of get ready, get everybody rested and ready. And when we talk about those road schedules, the 17 days, days out of 30 that North Dakota state is on the road. I, it makes perfect sense. The teams would take this last week and kind of get ready for conference play. But after we record next week, the next day will be the opener of, uh, of conference play. So we, the excitement's just about to start. Almost there boys. Yes, we are almost there. I always, 
Yeah, take care, guys. We'll see you next week.